compatriots of the airwaves, get ready for a sizzling 4th of July special where the unapologetic truth reigns supreme, and no liberal agenda can withstand our patriotic fury. I am your host, igniting the microphone with a blazing conservative spirit. The voice of reason amid the fireworks of liberal lunacy. Welcome to the Overmanga Cast, the explosive podcast that strikes fear into the hearts of the woke elites. As the nation celebrates its independence, we gather here, unbowed and unyielding, to expose the lies, the deceit, and the unhinged propaganda machine that threatens our great land. And on this glorious 4th of July, we have a special target in our sights. Eagle, the making of an Asian American present by Kaiji Kawaguchi, the latest hit piece chosen by the Democrats. But let me remind you, my freedom-loving brethren, in this red, white, and blue battlefield of ideas, we will not waver in our quest for truth. We will scrutinize Senator Yamaoka's policies and expose any hidden agenda that threatens our sacred liberties. This 4th of July, we celebrate not only our nation's independence, but also a steadfast commitment to preserving the true spirit of America. Join us, your unwavering guardians of freedom, as we embark on a lightning-fast journey to unmask the truth behind Senator Kenneth Yanamoka's audacious campaign. Together, we will set off on an intellectual fireworks display that will illuminate the dark corners of his rhetoric and reveal the genuine intentions behind his political theatrics. <laughs> We're reading volume three of Eagle. Happy fourth, everybody. <laughs> Hello everyone, welcome back to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam, and God bless America. Welcome back to the 4th of July episode. We're doing Eagle again. Yeah, baby! Ah, uh, nothing like it. Man, I gotta say, for a manga last time, we were like, this is becoming just a really down-to-earth drama. That's actually pretty interesting. I was not prepared to go to Planet Texas. <laughs> Me neither. I'm always I down for a trip for, for Planet Texas. Yeehaw! I wasn't ready for literally the second page of our reading to feature the debate being so interesting. A couple stopped. <laughs> that's that's what Eagle is. I think we can uh, skim over everyone's familiarity with the series because let's be honest, this is an old manga that has been out of print for a long time. If you're not reading along with us, I don't know how else you're reading this. <laughs> really, really Jones in for some... Uh political fiction drama i unless you made the mistake i did and bought the incredibly marked up copies <laughs> uh, the physical market for this is not not great anyway yes we pick up where we last left off which features uh senator kenneth yamaoka uh engaged in a debate with vice president albert noah for the democratic primary in new york God damn it. <laughs> I feel like I'm back in my news days saying that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down, newsman. Don't, don't go having flashbacks on us. <laughs> we join them back at the debate hall. Let's listen to this, Scorp. I completely forgot Scorp was a thing, and now Did we need... Did about the Scorps? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I was free for a year. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, we have a montage of after uh, last time, which uh, to fill you in on last time, uh, Noah is calling out Yamaoka for being um, wishy-washy by uh, highlighting that he once was a champion of an environmental protection bill and then 
a uh, scant few years later, uh, was all behind uh, repealing the act. In fact, he was a key voice for it. And this is a uh, revelation so spicy that all of New York City stops and sits up to watch. This is highlighted both by people in Times Square and a couple fucking on a couch that sit up to watch. I do appreciate the couple who had to be like, yo, babe, we're in the middle of doing it. Hold up. The presidential primary debate is on. I know. (laughs) I gotta say, the thing that other makes this manga product of its time is when we cut to the New York bar where a couple of booze hounds all go like, shut up, the president's on. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, the the control room at the broadcast station is going crazy because the the ratings on the on the east coast are through the roof the midwest is up 38 percent we're up 42 percent nationwide it's like kennedy and nixon in 1960 i was about to say yeah 42 percent of the population tuning into the primary debate is insane <laughs> the primary for one state oh but um with these incredible numbers tuning into view uh noah continues to pressure yamaoka on this point who is like, yes, I did say all those things. You might note that they were several years apart. My opinions evolved. Yes, it only makes me flash back to that Parks and Rec episode where Leslie Nope similarly gets catty cornered and how she had to change her opinion towards, if you remember, milk coming from cows and then chocolate milk coming from, no, still the same cows. <laughs> there are no chocolate cows that chocolate milk comes from. Ugh. But yeah, uh in the in the single most unrealistic fanciful thing in all of this political drama, Yamaoka saying, "My opinions changed because the situation and my understanding of it changed. Therefore, the nuance of the situation caused me to have a new viewpoint." Uh that apparently works. <laughs> In other words, I had a preconceived notion of how this approximately could benefit the people. I learned new information, and this informed me to change my position. And the American people bought that. It is true, though. I mean, there are a lot of things that I'm just like, wow, I did not know that this... That's how real people work. That's not how political debates work. It is the single most unrealistic thing in this manga that people accepted that. Yamaoka does explicitly say that my opinion didn't change. I maintain the same beliefs. Yes, he just just realized that that's not effective in the outcome that he intended for this legislation. Because what he's trying to be caught on is that he's a flip-flopper who will go wherever the wind blows. And what he's saying is, no, I still feel strongly about both of those ways. I have just tempered what is realistic as opposed to idealistic. Yes, You guys are really overselling the fact that that was the unrealistic part of the debate. The unrealistic part of the debate for me was that it ends right here without Noah getting a single thing to say. (laughs) He's not allowed a rebuttal. He's not allowed a closing statement. They just get him to answer his question and he's done. No, we we ran out of time, you see. Yes. (laughs) We ran out of time. We have a close-up panel of him quirking his eyebrow. That was his entire rebuttal. Huh? (laughs) i I like the scene in the taxi where uh takashi's asking the driver to turn it up and he's like uh man the lady's sleeping just a little bit and then he looks rachel's actually awake also listening to the debate (laughs) very intently like i don't know why you thought she was sleeping (laughs) i also appreciate that when the 
debate's over, they both start making out because their dad won. Yeah. Oh my God, stop. <laughs> <laughs> We're not at that part yet. Calm down. What, what part? They both have the same father. Rachel's just adopted. Uh, uh-huh. I told you. It's only societal incest. Yes. Yes. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> Moving on. Tuck is yelling about numbers on a, into a phone. So what else is new? I swear he has like three different phones screaming, give me the numbers. This is true. You have to have multiple phones. Or else people think you're a loser. And Tuck is not a loser. Takashi gets dropped off at Rachel's house because he was making sure she got home because she wasn't feeling well. Mm-hmm. Um, they meet at the door. They kiss again. Mm-hmm. And Takashi decides he's going to be a gentleman and leave because, you know, he can't let work. He he thinks work's more important. And I think if you'll remember at the end of last reading, or if you just listened to last episode, we talked about how out of nowhere, a random racist appeared. <laughs> and you're wondering what was he going to do and we were all surprised this was the direction it took (laughs) yeah well you'll remember that this was the the guy who was racisting at uh takashi last time and got punched Uh, i believe it was by alex um and he has been stalking them ever since (laughs) and uh as takashi leaves you'd think this guy would go after the subject of his uh racial aggression no. He's a pussy, so he's going to go through adjacent parties. He goes and uh, attacks Rachel and, uh, you know, knocks open the door, forces her inside the house. He's, you know, being all evil and stuff. He's a rapist is what, yes. what is happening here. I know if he was sexually assaulting her, he looked like he was just beating the crap out of her. No, he had his pants undone. Takashi uh, notes that when he returns because uh, he decides, no, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I I have these feelings for Rachel. I'm going to actually act on them. I don't, you know, I don't care about the weird situation. And that's when he bursts in to save her. And there's an insert shot of, oh, that's what you were doing. I am going to kill you. Yeah, Takashi really stiffens his courage. He hardens his resolve. Really inappropriate time for these jokes. Yeah, it really does. Especially with this added context that I apparently missed. And now I'm just like, oh, this really kind of taints the entire circumstance. To, to be fair, the added <laughs> context is weird and kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. it. This feels the most like 80s movie, kind of, where it's just like, ah, yes, the, we need a sexual assault in here so Takashi can be the hero is kind of how it comes yeah. off. Say, ladies, after. After a sexual assault, do you really feel like getting it on with someone you've had a crush on? It like, immediately cuts to a sex scene. I'm like, that feels weird. Yeah. <laughs> that That's some Hollywood nonsense. That's he, he did check to see if she was okay. And she's like, of course, yes. And I'm just like, no. <laughs> Look, that Anything. cut cut the, the realism here. Anything to get titties on the screen. <laughs> yeah, th- this volume really likes that a lot. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of Takashi and Rachel having sex. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder if there's a particular reason for that. We'll get there. See, I thought I thought it was just going to cut to black because, you know, it's them hugging. She's crying. Next page. It's them kissing, but it's like from shoulders up. So you can't yeah. really tell, but they're clearly both not wearing uh, shirts and it's the fireplace. Next I, page. Oh, nope. You So it, it cuts to black with that last panel and then you flip. Nope, they're just banging in front of the fireplace. Mm-hmm. 
do love to get banged in front of nice fireplaces. Inappropriate. <laughs> just several pages of them going at it. I'm just saying it's just so cliche, and apparently that is the thing. I don't even know since this is her house. Was the fire already going? Yeah, so she, that she was have, out all day. They have a fireplace in her bedroom, I guess, because they must because they're on her bed. I'm just confused. Yeah. They were making out after he checked and made sure she was okay. Somebody lit a fire in that time. And those things don't just light up instantaneously. It, it spontaneously burst from just the passion and friction in the air. <laughs> yes, I choose to believe that, yes. The the cheesy 80s sex music started playing, and that just instantly caused the fire to light. Yes. The fact that this is their house brings up so many questions, too. Like, mm -hmm. the next morning, um, after a lot of banging, and they, they talk a little, but... Mm -hmm kind of inconsequential um takashi has a meeting so he leaves her a note he gets up at 6 a.m saying hey you were asleep so i decided i'd just let you continue sleeping except rachel also had things to do today <laughs> he just left her with no alarm clock yeah yeah kind of a dick move no she probably had to wake up at a different time though like he wanted to get up early to meet um alex or whatever his name was yeah mm -hmm. Yeah, and then I don't know which what reason relatively reasonable time she needed to be up by, maybe like seven or eight. So Yeah, she was up by nine, which conveniently her mom still had the full like eighties movie parent complete table full of breakfast available. Yeah. <laughs> I thought the mom knew what was going on. At that point. <laughs> with how this conversation was, because I'm like, yeah, no shit. Like <laughs> you were living in their house. How did Takashi get out of the house? Without her noticing. Yeah. But it's yeah. just like, hey, you're looking really nice today. It's like, mom, I feel amazing. Everything is going great. I got banged in front of a fireplace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she doesn't say that last part, but. Thinking it. We all know she was thinking it. And then it and just go. ends with the, them all leaving and the mom going like, oh no, Rachel must be in love. Oh no. She's Mom, been making, she's been making eyes at that reporter boy. She has that glow. <laughs> yes, that morning, that morning after inexplicable glow that tips off uh, characters that banging took place. So I don't think she suspects the reporter guy until at <laughs> they just shove it straight in her face later. Yeah, <laughs> no, they no, they kiss in front of her when she like Rachel says like bye mom. It was like they were at a photo op or something, and then goes over and sees Joe and then kisses him. Yeah, she's, she's got that soap opera timing because she turns a quarter to see it, this. It's, yeah, it's weird if they were trying to keep the relationship secret, which I thought they were up until they just kiss in the. Like, I'm see, saying, see, I even if the situation was different than it is, he does work for your dad. Like, you would still, like, feel some, like, okay, we need to, like, hide this or something. Because it still breaks some ethic rules, I think. Yeah, I don't think they ever explicitly say that they're trying to keep it secret, mainly because things move so incredibly quickly. Like, it goes from them being kind of flirty to them banging, and then, like, next day, uh, they have an awkward, they have a semi-awkward uh, meeting in a hall. <laughs> also, confusingly, they sh the campaign seems to have them share a hotel room from now on. <laughs> yeah, how about that? <laughs> they don't ever justify that, and if it comes out that that relationship was supposed to be a secret, which, considering how Yamaoka talks to him seems like it should have be a secret mm -hmm. but 
they're just in the same hotel room, which that would have had to be booked by the campaign. So it's not like that could have been a secret. No, because you also have to think about the fact that she works for the campaign. So, I mean, all they would have to do is say X room was booked for the campaign. Yeah, that and also she could just be visiting him in his room, probably. Mm -hmm. But who knows? It's it is it's a it's weird. <laughs> At some point, the campaign is going to get the bill for that for those fancy bottles of wine they have in the L.A. hotel. So it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Is Yamaoka at it again? Someone bought whipped cream and cherries. <laughs> <laughs> Not that Yamaoka. But yes, Yamaoka manages to win the New York primary by less than a percent, barely edging out Noah. Uh, <laughs> yes, as Jake said, there's the uh, hilarious soap opera timing of Patricia happening to see Akashi and uh, Rachel kiss. <laughs> and <laughs> I love this. I love this manga when it tried to does dramatic characters looking at each other panels because the, the faces in this manga can be very expressive, but oftentimes they just kind of stare. This has like late silver, early bronze age <laughs> face. Uh -huh. Well, also like, the added face. like also the added like weird comments is like um is it Tomiko? Is Joe's mom? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like that random. So obviously Patricia is obviously aware of Tomiko. Yeah, that kind of surprised me. That is kind mm -hmm. of concerning. She's just like, "Oh no, Tomiko has her her seed is somehow infiltrating our family." Like she is like seed born from her has infected our garden. <laughs> like, "Oh my." That phrasing was really like concerning. It's like obviously <laughs> She, she was more than just a passing, oh, by the way, I might have hooked up with this lady while I was, you know, stationed abroad. Something. The impression that, uh, that Yamaoka didn't, uh, that Kenneth didn't tell Patricia about this. No, apparently, like, he did, though, right? He must have. He must have told her about him. It's either Mar either it's Maria. Did... It's Maria he didn't tell uh, Patricia anything about. Yeah, so now she's like, oh, my God, now there's two? <laughs> We're getting ahead of ourselves. I think I think the important thing is that the implication earlier was that uh, Patricia wouldn't have known about Tomiko. So she either found it out on her own, which does kind of track with something that she says later, or Yamaoka or um, or Kenneth did tell her. Either way, it's weird. I, I think what I'm getting from this is Yamaoka is playing a mind game with Takashi. And he's trying to keep him as out of the loop as possible. So Patricia knows, but when Yamaoka talked to Takashi, he was just like, yeah, you're the only one who knows. Obviously, I would keep this a secret. Mm, yeah, I could buy that. Again, I'm pretty sure I said this last time, but <laughs> this entire manga really just feels like Kenneth is screwing with Takashi. <laughs> Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. He is playing mind games. Yes. <laughs> well, there's also a scene where Alex, I think, is the brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he he shows some character development, which is a cool moment. It doesn't really pay off in the in what we read, but, you know, it's it's nice to say. But anyway, we uh, go to Planet Texas, as we alluded to in our intro here, where um, <laughs> the most realistic that Eagle gets. I, I was about to say, if you want to see a crowd of people and every single one of them wear cowboy hats, that's, uh, <laughs> this is this is Texas, the land where people wear cowboy hats. There are so many cowboy hats. I am currently wearing my cowboy hat. Get your Stetsons. To, yes. To be fair, 
the manga does explicitly state that they are explicitly talking to ranchers. Mm -hmm. So it's forgivable, but still, it's insane. It is very (laughs) insane. We arrive in Dallas a day before the rest of the campaign because... uh, She worked her butt off, so she had some extra time. Yes. And Takashi goes with her. Of course. I I love this scene so much. (laughs) We get the classic eagle, welcome to a new American city, here's the skyline shot. And we get like this long, drawning thing about how Texas shares a border with Mexico, so there's a huge Hispanic population. And it's kind of like a desert environment, so Dallas kind of comes out of nowhere like it's a mirage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how people who living over the border see Texas have all this like prosperity and opportunity. They illegally cross the border to come have some of that. And Takashi just goes, yeah, that's really the American dream alive and well. To which Rachel then doesn't acknowledge it all. And we jump cut to Rachel going to like a, um, like a Hispanic population. I feel like that was thematic though for her to not immediate immediately yeah. like jump on it and like say well yeah. I, i'm getting to my point though because unfortunately because of that jump cut what then happens is we cut to rachel talking to some people outside a gas station um acknowledging they barely market. speak english uh, it's a oh it's a it's like a family market it is friendly market oh that <laughs> is a that is a hundred percent a gas station as well yeah it's yeah, it's a gas station. <laughs> but it's a whole bunch of people who barely speak English, and she's talking to them. Hey, are you registered to vote? And they come away saying, we don't really see the point. And I'm I'm just sitting here going, you know, this is unfortunate. The manga is basically saying that these are illegal immigrants that Rachel is trying to get to register to vote for her candidate, which is well, not great. Doesn't, doesn't she also say that a lot of them aren't even, there are a lot of illegal immigrants but i think that even despite that you know she's trying to see who would be able to vote i yeah i get where the manga is coming with this but the jump cut unfortunately makes it seem Uh, like rachel is just trying to get a bunch of illegal immigrants to vote for her dad which is illegal yeah it it is one of the the talking points that people use against democrats a lot is they (laughs) bus in illegal immigrants or also bus in like in the first volume the the just illegal technique they used of bussing in their supporters. Yeah. <laughs> Through the snow, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is it it is really important, though, because it brings up that Rachel is, um, uh, she's Cuban-American mm-hmm. and was adopted. So she has deep ties to her spa- Hispanic roots. And I get that's where the manga was coming from with this. It's just the way it's framed is really it's, unfortunate. Yeah, it's yeah. one of those ones where uh, it kind of reminds you that this is made from a Japanese perspective that doesn't necessarily know. Because that's the sort of thing where you kind of have to experience American political discourse like neck deep in it before that kind of thing would sink in. Yeah, which is why the scene was funny to me, not a problem yeah. with the manga. It's just, oh, well, okay, like, let's... Because, mm-hmm. like, from a pure character utilitarian perspective, it's very effective. It's just... It's just, oh, no. <laughs> Oopsie doodle. But, uh, yeah, they, they go back to their hotel room. Takashi's working on his report. Rachel gets out of the shower and is like, stop working. Let's bang. <laughs> yeah, they they jumped headfirst into this relationship. <laughs> they sure did. <laughs> well, they even put, like, do they even, are they even in a relationship? Right now, they're just acting on their feelings for each other. Until she finally admits. So they don't officially say they're in a relationship. Takashi did turn around to admit to her he loved her. 
So <laughs> semantics that doesn't count. <laughs> but they have this conversation about um, this conversation that I love, where uh, oh man, you're having that conversation with Alex. You seem to really get along with him. Uh, it's almost like uh, you two are brothers or something. She doesn't exactly say that, but <laughs> that's where that's that's the subtext. And she's like, oh yeah, you've never known your father, right? Yeah. If you were still alive, would you want to meet him? Zoom in panel on Takashi's face, staring into the distance. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair, that is a very um, amenable, it's a good question, yeah. It's only funny because we, because of dramatic irony. Yeah. <laughs> dramatic irony! It's a very important scene in the context because it at, now in the manga, he is lying to her mm-hmm. about that his biological father is her adopted father. So he's like, I know who my father is. That's why I'm here trying to find out who he is. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of a side quest as well. She is also a side quest. She wishes she was the full quest, but yes. Yeah, she <laughs> is a side, a side quest. quest. By confirming my father's existence, I can affirm mine. I'll accept any conditions if I can do that. I don't want my father to be a mirage like we were talking about before. That was really deep, and then they continue to bang, so no change. What she says that she loves him back. Yes. It's important. It is very important. But they're not in a relationship. They just love each other. (laughs) They do a lot of screwing on hotel beds with the the blinds open so they can see the night. Oh my god. Don't don't get me started. Yeah, (laughs) and on a full frontal. Full frontal, like, just... We'll get there, but what I will point out the scene that makes no sense. The scene, as if there's only one. But... There's many. There's many, but I, I love <laughs> that's, that that's so why we much. love it. That's why we love it. Oh my god. This is this is a this is a July 4th tradition for a reason. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but anyway, they're in Texas and they are learning Texas plays by different rules because little little known fact, listeners, um, Democrats, not too big in Texas. <laughs> No, really, Outside no. of Austin, yeah. More like Beston. That's not even true. Austin's just <laughs> weird. Yeah. Yeah, and they're yeah. very proud of it. Yeah, they are. Keep Austin weird. It's here where we meet the some of the big wigs of Texas, specifically the uh, the agri business heads, or as I like to call them, the cowboy consortium. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is an accurate way of describing these characters. <laughs> and and more importantly, their leader the democratic representative of the union, mm-hmm. which, mm-hmm. so I, I'm confirming this is right. He's the democratic representative of, the, of this union and the Republican representative was the guy who was calling him on the phone at the end of this. Yes. I believe so. Yeah. I think yes. so. Because they were working together saying, Hey, we need people who represent our union to go through in the primaries. You can't just be sitting on this. You need to pick an option. I know the democratic candidates aren't exciting to you, but yes, mm, but we need somebody. Mm-hmm. So I feel like this, this particular layer is very realistic in a sense, because very much Politics outside of a big conglomerate or a consortium as these are who have a, have a stated claim in a particular um, industry, mm-hmm. it's not necessarily as fringe issue. It is legitimately how can you pull as much support. So they're looking for who essentially can take a particular group across the finish line. So it's not necessarily about individual 
candidates. It's not necessarily about um, particular um, like party loyalty. Party loyalty. There's like, hey, I need a dem. Yeah. Who could potentially get us where we need to go? I, I hate to shatter anyone's reality, but turns out politics isn't a sports team beyond, like, the ground level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It would be nice if everyone would learn that. <laughs> uh... But for now, we we just have to deal with Mr. Taylor and his assistant, Sam. No relation. I, I, I love Mr. Taylor, because how we get introduced to him is this man is reading a newspaper about how Yamaoka had a good speech, and he's just like, none of these Dems are any good. I feel bad about my position. And then he rides a and- horse. He is in the middle of a field. He rode a horse out to the middle of this field to read his newspaper. I know. And then he Why? proceeds to litter. Yeah, because he had been backing Goldblum, and when he sees that Goldblum dropped out of the race and backed Yamaoka, he throw, he crumples up the paper, goes, span this bastard, and throws the paper into the wind. Technically, it's not littering, because he probably owns that ranch. Well, okay, fair That's point. his land. He's littering on his own land. I can litter on my own land! It's still littering, it's just... The Overmanga cast apologizes to the South. <laughs> to, the, to the great state of Texas. We understand you don't talk like this. <laughs> what We're about not horse? gonna stop, though. The horse I took on this morning ride's doing just fine, Sam, but my other horse just broke a leg. Time to change the game plan. <laughs> he talks exclusively in horse metaphors. I love this guy. Well, yeah. I'm assuming this was Viz's doing, but they, they do punctuate for a southern accent so it's hard not oh, to oh i mean you gotta uh-huh. back the right horse you gotta back the right horse because if a horse goes limp you gotta put a bullet in its head sir the primary's in four days i apologize to our southern listeners i know we have a few hi <laughs> the great state of tennessee <laughs> hello tennessee hope you're doing all right out there uh but yes uh the cowboy consortium all meets to play poker and talk politics while smoking their cigars and drinking their whiskey. As you do. In presumably an Old West saloon. I love this scene so much. It is is the cheesiest spaghetti western. Like, look at this set! There's, uh, there's random guys with, uh, more cowboy hats on in the background. There is not a single man not wearing a cowboy hat. Mm Mm-hmm. You're all wearing your cowboy hats, right? Oh, wait, where did this come from? Wait, oh no, it, it just appeared on my head. <laughs> hey, you're welcome. But yeah, Mr. Taylor's like, you know what? With Goldblum gone, I don't like Noah. I would rather vote for my own, for my own uh, cows than I'd rather than vote for him. At least they know where the hay is. And I don't like this Yamoka fella either. Ain't no, I don't see no point in voting Democrat. It's it's also when we get revealed who the Republican challenger is going to be. It is a war veteran astronaut who has walked on the moon and NASA was begging to walk again at the age of 62. And yeah. he is the best possible everything ever. So yeah. I love I love his uh his little uh like photo in the newspaper has him in a business suit in a space suit. <laughs> I'm I'm saying I would have trouble not voting for this man. He walked on the moon. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Richard Grant, corporate leader in space tech for private enterprise, political career, energized as a high-profile candidate during the Gulf War. <laughs> he's yeah, he's um 
I would not waste my time campaigning in Texas, I guess. But uh-huh. that's why Yamaoka is running for president, not me. Uh, oh, and uh, my absolute favorite part, just so you know that these uh, big business uh, ranch cowboy boys are filthy, stinking rich. And we are also in Texas as they step out of the like place they were at onto the massive front lawn. Uh, they do not have cars parked here. No, they have p- private propeller planes that they all fly away in. Well, because you would never drive off these ranches, which take three days to walk off of. I know. (laughs) You just fly, Sam. You just fly. Oh my god, but yeah. So basically what the Cowboy Consortium has agreed on is that they're just going to sit this election out and make the candidates come to them and give them something they want. Because... the the sort of big thing is that's definitely what Taylor is going to do, but the rest of them are really concerned about this. They don't like sitting it out. But Taylor's their leader for a reason. Yeah. He knows what's what. And they're they like Taylor and they are willing to believe him. Mm-hmm. They the Yamaoka campaign is doing their due diligence in Dallas, doing their big city things. Uh we have the great like B plot adventure of arthur trying really really hard to get a meeting with mr taylor like he keeps calling the office he's waiting in the lobby it's like mr taylor is extremely busy sir cut to mr taylor in his in-office hot tub still wearing the hat i thought he was on the roof of the building because it's literally like just a hot tub (laughs) yeah i know arthur deserved a lot more credit than he got in this section yeah this is the real thing is this subplot literally goes nowhere <laughs> like he's Arthur just deserved a w somewhere he just sits in an office for three days and the secretary feels sorry for him mm-hmm. that's all that happens is she's just like he's been sitting here for three days I, she comes brings him a cup of coffee um he keeps trying to call to talk with mr taylor and the guy he's calling to asks if he went to one of them traditional black colleges. This man does not say black. That's not the word he uses. That's not the word he uses. And Arthur has the most fucking response. It is not the diplomatic response. It's not the political response. There's an argument to be made. It isn't the response that he as the campaign manager should not have made. But it's fucking based and I respect him so much for it. Uh, the only history I remember is the Gettysburg Address click. <laughs> And he and he looks disappointed that he didn't open the door, but he doesn't look like he regretted his decision and he shouldn't. Yep. <laughs> Don't you bring up the Civil War to us. We remember <laughs> it differently. <laughs> Again, uh, I apologize to all Southern <laughs> listeners of the Overmind uh, guest. The War of Northern Aggression is, I guess, a real thing. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I see political takes on the 4th of July. We are reading Eagle after all. I'm sorry, we only celebrate winners on this podcast. <laughs> anyway, uh, Yamoka has his own crazy friggin' uh, harebrained scheme on how to uh, on how to win this primary, which which Joe just kind of gets wrapped up into. Well, what happens is uh, it's one of those times where uh, Yamoka goes to bed a little early. Uh, his campaign staff tells him he needs to be up at five, and he's just like. So are we going to go out to dinner? He's like, no, I'm going to order room service. I got a lot of notes to prepare for. And Joe is awoken. So I, no, Joe is outside Yamaoka's door the first night, right? Yeah, I think he returns to the uh, hotel that, at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Joe just is like, move it. He, he's just like in the hallway and sees Yamaoka coming out of his room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's like, okay, what are you doing up so late? What are you doing up so late? You're coming with me, boy. Well, yeah. 
He wants late night yum yums. That is just, weird to say. Well, because that's <laughs> that's what Yamaoka does. Is he goes out to be with the common like he's done this before. He goes out to yeah. be with the common people away from his staff because. Yeah, he's very strategic about it. He's like, oh, I'm going to pull a late night. I need to, you know, well, turn in early. And then, like, he, comes out later to... He does have the belief that being around his staff all the time insulates him from what people actually care about. Which is and, true. Yeah, it, it's just like, I will come off as elitist if I don't know what people are actually talking about and if I'm not actually challenged. Right. Which... Go, gotta go mingle with the people. Find out what's what. But anyway, he get he then to prove he's not elitist gets into a taxi cab and says, "Bring me to wherever the locals eat." <laughs> uh, specifically, already... specifically the local ranchers. At which point the taxi driver goes, "Buddy, you know how big the ranches are, right? The local place that the ranchers go to is two hours from downtown." They already know he's from out of town, so he's like, "I'm leveraging me being out of town. I want to know where people go." It's more mm. hilarious that a taxi driver for Dallas would know where the local ranchers eat, which is <laughs> the two, ranchers. Two, it's two hours out of town, which is the most Texas thing possible that you would want to be nowhere near Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Marcus, like I said, but I said, that's where we're going. I love how they don't even illustrate what's happening on this two hour taxi ride from 10 p.m. to midnight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They just kind of breeze over. They do this drive, but it's like that's a two-hour taxi ride. What? What do you talk about? This I don't know. Taxi driver is now almost four hours out for you. That is the one thing. When they arrive there, he does go, "Hey, those guys are going to eat you alive." This is like a rancher this, bar. <laughs> this is a bad idea, and Yamaoka proceeds to make the bad idea anyway. Joe is like, "It's all pickup trucks here." <laughs> Very uh, uh, I, I, I have uh, not in Texas specifically, but I have been in one of those. It's all pickup trucks lineups before. So, yep, they go to the Star Cafe Steaks and Burgers, which is a restaurant open until two in the morning. And I'm just like, yep, uh, y- sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, Texas, <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> and uh, the page of it is just, yeehaw! <laughs> just there, there is three introductory pages of just Texas stereotypes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Playing cards, shooting pool, drinking beer, got the band up on the stage, and everybody's in a cowboy hat, even the ladies. And then when Yamaoka and Joe walk in through the saloon doors, the record scratches and everyone turns to look at him. It goes quiet. Uh, then we meet my favorite guy. We meet Bill. <laughs> Just one of the one of the uh, ranchers goes up and tries to harass them, <laughs> tries to make jokes. And there's a page of him kind of like looming over Yamaoka, like he's gonna, like he's actually gonna be something at all. And uh, he makes like <laughs> three well, because bad buttons, because Texas, uh, not Texas, too. Yamaoka orders a T-bone steak. And a Sam Adams and Joe not knowing what to do orders the same thing. And I'm just like, I was expecting someone to call him out for ordering a Sam Adams. Because that sounds like an American beer. But that's a Boston beer. Mm-hmm. That makes him an East Coaster. Like, <laughs> But then it doesn't come up. So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to write it off. He he ordered American beer, I guess. They could have, they could have ordered a Lone Star, right? I think that's the big brand. I, I don't think that's really the Texas beer. I think that's like the, tor- that's like fo- when you order a Foster's in 
Australia. Like uh, no one drinks that. <laughs> oh no. If you're from Texas, write in. What kind of beer do you drink? And if you're yes. underage, don't tell us. We're not cops. <laughs> well, or text or tell us what your your parent drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't have parents, I'm sorry. Speaking of people with awkward relationships with parents, Joe is amazed by the portion size. <laughs> Texas size. Oh yeah, they they order like a half pound and the steak comes out. It's clearly a pound. He's just like, what? That's not what we ordered. He's like, it's Texas sized. They double their weights here. That what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's when uh, the character Sam was mentioning comes over and is like, hey, you better eat all your food. Don't they know this man has has a stomach that can eat all 50 states? Uh, this man ate all the food provided to him at both the Italian and Chinese American delegations. <laughs> you know, I don't think I could say the fancy name of your lawyer's suit. <laughs> Get it? L lawyer's suit? Law lawsuit? Get Come on now. I, I love how this guy makes jokes and no one reacts. No one reacts. <laughs> he, he keeps looking over to his buddies and they all just blankly stare. <laughs> Bro, you got the whole squad laughing. Oh, but um, Yamoka finishes his meal. Um, so he gets there at midnight and mm -hmm. the place closes at two. Yeah. Presumably the time then passes in whatever is plot convenient because... Yes, yes, it does. Well, they go in, they order, they also, and then have conversation. So theoretically, that sounds about right. Two I, hours. I love the bartender who, when they show up in order, goes like, we're not open all night like you New Yorkers are expecting. That's cool. I'm ordering two hours before last call. I'm not really sure what your concern is here. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I came in at like 1.30 or something. But you had to be like New Yorkers eat all night long. Once Ben or Bill or whatever bad joke man's name is, is done harassing them. Uh, the rest of them, all ve while very seriously playing pool, <laughs> decide to engage with him in the matters of uh, policy. That kind of makes sense. That's what he's looking for, because these, these ranchers are businessmen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's what he was looking for, was a bar of people who own ranches, which is a very yeah. different clientele than, like, a dive bar. And and so, of course, the question of uh, gun ownership comes up. And uh, Yamaoka is right. You know what? You're right. I haven't mentioned this issue on the campaign trail. I was I wanted to broach this subject with uh, people like you that it would really matter to. And, uh, you know, I'm. I'm I have uh, great respect for the history of the gun. You know, weapons, very important for uh, humanity as a species. He's getting glowered at by all of them, real suspicious-like in the process. Because he's not getting to the point. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you're saying you're against gun control. Oh, no, I think it should be stricter. Now, hold on! We get the uh, parade of bad faith arguments for uh, uh, guns shouted at him because, of course get like two whole chapters of him being yelled at i was about to say does he get to his plan or does he then go well i'm for stricter gun control well it's 2 a.m time to be heading home yeah that's what that's what he does and i was like oh my gosh you are really put, trying it he's he's yeah they let him leave which tells a uh, seemingly unrelated story that i don't think ever actually gets resolved <laughs> i can't even remember the story so it's two two state two cities in the same state have yeah, yeah. literally opposite gun laws and their their crime rate was the same. I think I misunderstood this because he was saying that the gun control enacted in these two cities before they had no crime. 
despite the fact they were in high crime areas and then the gun control things were instated and then he doesn't say what happened after. So I don't understand the point of his story. It was just people being overprotective about gun control in areas that didn't need it, I guess. But like, yeah, which I mean, that's the reaction of all of the people in the bar and Takeshi. And I don't think it comes up again. I don't understand what the point of that story, which might have been literally Yamaoka stalling for time until 2 a.m. where he could be like, well, bar is closed. I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah, there, there's a there's a non-zero chance that because, you know, I mean, like there there are a lot of jokes to be made about Yamaoka's uh, ridiculous luck and 40 chess playing abilities when it comes to these sort of political things. But there is a non-zero chance that uh, if you if you read the character uh, charitably, like he's he's broaching different ideas. He's seeing what will work and what mm-hmm. won't, because a very realistic thing. I don't I don't know if we're going to get into our political views on on the subject here, uh, but um, I feel like it's really hard not to with the really hard matter. not to. But yeah. as as a podcast, we're not political guys. We're not going to get involved in that. But like, yeah, we might accidentally flavor things. Yeah. Uh, be chill people. <laughs> Yeah, please. <laughs> Cause um for every political uh idea, every political debate, there are bad faith arguments for that thing. And boy, Yamaoka getting those bad faith arguments about guns shouted at him so he can't even get a word in edgewise until he shushes the entire crowd. That sounds about right. That's my experience. <laughs> it, be, and it, the point of his story isn't real the the story's not the point it's that he ends it with the thing that like crime is not committed by guns people commit crimes with guns and that at least is what a lot of them wanted to hear yeah mm-hmm. so i think that's the point of the story despite the fact the story means nothing <laughs> yeah and and i mean like the way i chose to read it, read it was um because he started off by getting bad faith art, the bad faith arguments that you expect shouted at him. So he couldn't, you know, actually respond to any individual one of them. He's, he's testing the waters to see what they will react positively to. And the fact that the story doesn't go anywhere, the fact that he doesn't bring it up again is like, okay, that wasn't working. Mm -hmm. I ran out the time. Let's try a different approach. Mm -hmm. All right, we've ran out the clock. I now have an entire day to go and think about this and come back tomorrow. Yeah, this man then campaigns at five in the morning and Joe is just like, I don't understand how this is working. (laughs) How does he do this? (laughs) He's actually uh, a robot. Is day two or day three the one where Rachel calls him out? (laughs) I think it's day three. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Because uh, we don't see Rachel on day two. We do get uh, Sam uh being all sleepy at the ranch the next day and seeing Yamoka on the news and he's like, ah, that son of a bitch. Thinks he's gonna come in here and give gun control to Texans. Wants stricter gun control. Don't they know that guns are our way of life and our freedom? Anyway, we cut to the end of the night. There's a bunch of campaigning. People are doing stuff. Um, my favorite interaction is knock on the door and Takeshi going, hey, Rachel, what's up? And it's just Senator Yamaoka. And he's like, come on, we're going for dinner again. He's like, oh, are we not going to acknowledge I called you Rachel? Nope. Nope. What's wrong with you? Why are you just standing there? Why don't you get your jacket on? Huh? Where Where are we going? We're going for another T-bone. What? And uh, sure, sure enough, as they as all the ranchers are sitting around being uh, being salty about Yamaoka on the news, it's like, if I ever see his Yankee ass again, door opens and there he is. 
being like 50% taller than Takeshi. Yeah. So so he a hundred percent waited for them to uh to be saying that stuff outside the door oh, for his entrance, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'm also gonna point out because I think day two is where we get the most kind of banter from the um from the audience to it, not the audience, but from the ranchers in regards to this. But mm-hmm. this manga really does just kind of pay lip service to the fact that uh, Texas would be kind of racist against an Asian American candidate. It really never comes up other than uh, the campaign manager not being able to get a meeting with people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like it, it's really not as big as a problem as you think it would have been, <laughs> but yeah. I don't know. I, I guess he just tested the waters with saying, hey, I want stricter gun control, and they completely didn't even factor in his race. They were like, hold on. <laughs> you've hit our re- you've hit our uh our one issue button. But Yamaoka comes back. He orders the steak, and then I presume eats the steak before telling people because they do mention he finished his food, but the way it's framed seems to be he orders and then is immediately questioned, and then it's 2 a.m. so it's time to leave. Uh, he probably ate his food at some point in there. Time passes at, at plot-relevant intervals. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, I mean, fair. It's a drama, of course. It's yeah, to. it's also a manga where time can be a little bit... You, mm-hmm. you, can, you can both play fast and loose with time in manga and also lose track of it very easily, so... It's mm-hmm. just funny to me. Yeah. <laughs> framing. Eagle suffers from this a lot, where their framing is very much at mercy of what makes dramatic beats, which fair, that's the genre, but it's just like when you then try and analyze it by like, wait, no, hold on. <laughs> They've <laughs> had like a four sentence conversation that lasted two hours. Yes. This is when we get Yamaoka's plan for gun control, which it's, it's a plan. Not- all right. <laughs> it, it sure is a plan. He introduces this first by, you know, uh, one of the big rancher boys is kind of bullying in on him and uh, being like, you know, you said that the guns don't commit the crimes. It's the people that do. So why do you want to take away our guns? Well, you see, I know how much uh, like pride and spirit you have in, in your guns. This is very important to you. It's a, it's a symbol of your identity. So aren't you kind of a little pissed off that they are sold so cheaply that you can get them in a Walmart. I, I love that. The method he goes and, doesn't it piss you off that poor people can have guns? <laughs> and these ranchers eat this up. <laughs> the, gun is an, the gun is an inanimate object. It doesn't understand the uh, the the importance you place upon it. So why would you let it put, get into the hands of a poor? I mean, someone who doesn't respect it like you do. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I love this because... It's more eloquent, and it's one of those ones that I worry that someone could take at face value. But, like, he got a bunch of bad faith arguments shouted in his face. So he responds with an equally bad faith argument. It's because what he was told last time was they value the honor of having a firearm and protecting your family. And a lot of, like, good faith arguments from, like, a position of idealizing a thing. Mm. So he's just like, you love this thing. It's a part of your soul. Why can I buy it at a 60% discount from a Walmart? And I feel like, honestly, that would that would resonate with a lot of people because I think, and I, from arguments I've heard, that's what's being missed is it's not necessarily about the item itself. It's the capability it could provide or present. And it's just kind of, I don't know. 
I mean, not for nothing. This is this is a very important, very sensitive, very complicated issue. Mm-hmm. And Yamaoka attacks it from an angle that isn't super commonly done. And it does, in fact, uh, get all these good old boys to shut up and think about it for a very menacing panel. <laughs> what I like about his argument is that he it's a four step plan. It's not necessarily something I think is realistic, but it's very much going what they wanted was this is a part of our culture you can't take that away and the core of his argument is i don't want to take away your guns i want to make it harder for people to get new guns i want to tax the people who are selling guns and making money off something that you think is sacred you shouldn't have a problem with that um Mm -hmm. i want it so that someone can't steal your gun and use it for evil and then fourth is probably the thing that I think is least likely. I want to create a national registry of all gun owners. Yeah. That's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. I'm pretty sure some version of all of the things he suggested are technically laws on the books that are just summarily ignored because they're impractical. Well, the, uh, the last one is, I think, was the one that's been like Supreme Court said that's against an amendment. To... Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that was the I think that was the national registration one. The fourth one was he wanted every gun to come with a safety lock that only the owner can disable. Oh how, yeah. I, how I don't know. biometrics maybe. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible in the 1990s era. This is written in. Well, that is a good. Well, that is a good idea. Like, well, here's the problem with it. I I, I kind of want to analyze his solution a little bit because honestly, this sort of discussion is important. Uh, the the thing I immediately noticed coming up is you are massively inflating the price of guns, which is, he's saying that as a positive thing, but there are a lot of people who aren't necessarily going to appreciate that. There are a lot of these good old boys who are not necessarily going to appreciate the price of To be fair, he's talking to cattle ranchers, so I yeah, don't think are, they care. These are all wealthy business owners. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think he's speaking to rich people saying, do you want well, yeah. to have guns? Like, I'm <laughs> That's the subtext. From a personal point of view, you know, my father collected his his items for their collector's value. So they had a functional purpose as well as value purpose. So that would probably be something that he would care about. You know, he, he didn't go and purchase things from Walmart. He had things to say about people who did that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Collector's items that were also functional. I guess kind of like people who like to collect novelty cars. Yeah, that, that that's the problem with gun ownership. It is, it'll, it is a wide array of people that yeah. in other situations would not get along. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is, which is always the, the that's problem. That's literally with... everything. Yeah. And literally everything, yep. Don't take away my gun plug. So here's the big thing about Senator Yamaoka's argument is it's not like, I, I really appreciate that the manga did this, his argument didn't win them over. They mm-hmm. still disagreed with him, but they appreciated that he was forthright and honest about what he wanted, and it wasn't the boogeyman they were afraid of. Yes. It was something yeah. they thought was a reasonable take that they disagreed with. Yeah. But that's what I think. It was the fact that he was be- he was hearing their base concern and addressing it in his own way. So it's like, I disagree with you, but I feel like you actually understand he heard their uh, fear-mongered knee-jerk reaction last night, so he came with something that, you know, that sidestepped that. Yeah, and I mean, not for nothing, sort of two important points there. One of the big things is that whilst Yamaoka's argument, I think it, I think there's a lot of ways that you can uh, pick apart his plan. It's four bullet points, yeah. 
Oh, well, it's four bullet points, and I you, you could very easily take issue with all four of them. It got them thinking about, like, oh, what way would I make this idea more amenable to me? Which, in all honesty, is super important in political debate. Like, the worst thing to do in politics is to assume, you know, that compromise is impossible, because then why are we talking at all then? And then the other sort of important element, which is this is more of a metacontextual thing, I guess metacontextual for real life. <laughs> they have this knee-jerk reaction. They see Yamaoka as a gonna take away all the guns boogeyman. Those people usually don't exist. They're extremely rare and probably not the person you're talking to. And probably unlikely to gain power anyway. And you can't talk to someone if you come from that angle. And that's why he got a like he got a bunch of bad faith arguments shouted in his face. That's not a political discourse. That's just yelling. That's Twitter. That's tw I, damn it! You beat me to it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, no. There's something to be said about the fact that like it is it is kind of nice that um, you know like they don't they don't immediately turn around to Yamaoka. But the thing that's kind of important is they start actually, like, engaging with him after this point. Yeah, the, the big thing is that after he gives, like, his play on what his goal is, one of the guys turns around, flips his chair around, and goes, hey, I know we're not going to agree on gun control, but I'm a rancher. What's your policy on foreign, like, foreign involvement in the farming industry? Mm -hmm. And it's, it starts a conversation because they're like, this guy at least will give me an answer and isn't going to just give me, like, plot points i can have i can have a conversation with him and i can let him know the things that there are issues we disagree about but here are things we can i want to know your opinion on this because this is also important to me mm -hmm. because voting for a political candidate is more than just a single uh issue button press no I want to vote for a letter on a page, Sam. It's easier for me. <sighs> okay, before we get too much into this again, the Overmodcast again apologizes to Southern listeners. The Overmodcast apologizes to everybody. <laughs> Don't say yeah. that. We're never going to apologize to Lithuania. They know what they did. And the Welsh. Okay, so we're halfway through our, our time in Texas, and I think it's about time that we took a quick break. I certainly need some water. So uh, we'll be right back after this, folks. And welcome back to the show, folks, where last we left the political campaign. Uh, we were we were going back to the bar at freaking midnight for another T-bone. Which, when you right. say it that way, sounds very sexual, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't live your life. If you want to go get T-bone at a bar at midnight, that that is your God-given right. That is right. your prerogative. I, I think legally you can't do that in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's uh, it's the morning of day three. Uh, Takashi is uh, <laughs> freezing because he's like, I thought, <laughs> I thought we were in the South. Why is it so cold? And uh, meanwhile, Rachel's like, hey, this is like the third night in a row that I haven't been able to reach you. Where were you at midnight? Uh, and at 2 a.m., uh, I was in the shower for two hours. Uh, 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> that sounds about right. That's like, that's my shower. That's literally how the conversation goes because she doesn't follow up past that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> She's like, hey, we haven't boned in two nights. Damn. What's going on? What does young Lucas sleep anyway? <laughs> never. Never sleep. Only bone. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> Given what we find out in the next section, I can only assume the the three things this man does is lawyering, campaigning, and f***ing. Uh, he's a shoo-in for president. Uh, anyway. Anyway, night, night three is when we really get into the fact that they go there, they show up, and the ranchers have turned around. Um, we get a cutscene of one of the guys getting into a car accident in or he witnesses a car accident in Texas where two guys are literally about to pull out their guns and kill each other over a fender bender. And then he looks at the handgun he keeps in the glove compartment of his car and just goes, you know, you're right. Maybe poor people shouldn't have guns. That's not <laughs> what he says, but that's what I took away from it's him reflecting about. You need to have the proper love and respect. We are all mortal men without wisdom. How can we stand here and say we deserve the power to kill? But anyway, we cut to that night at the bar where people are more receptive of him. They're asking him questions beyond his gun control policy, because at this point, they've... they're literally waiting for him. Yeah. Yeah. They're like sewing up a little early to get to talk to him because... They want to hear what he has to say, even if they might not full-heartedly agree with it. And by then, you've already won half the battle, honestly. Yeah, because they're because they're actually talking to him. Like uh, they're being very like uh, aggressive and challenging, but in a way that like gives Yamaoka the chance to respond, and that's exactly what he wanted. He goes off on his thing about um, what's going to happen with uh, grain producers. And he mentions that China is moving into a new age of wealth and prosperity, which means they're going to be eating more meat, which means they need more grain to feed that meat. And that's where America can slip in to provide that. And then our farmers will make a lot of money. And they're all like, but would China let people not feed their own country? And he's just like, you just let me worry about that. Yamoka, what's going on here? I got this handled. <laughs> and then everyone accepted that answer with no further questions. <laughs> read charitably there's a bit of a trail off that you can assume as he goes into more detail since the manga did earlier talk about how much uh texans prefer straight talk but once again <laughs> the style of the manga can go against it at times read uncharitably these people looked at yamaoka and be like he knows how to speak chinese <laughs> <laughs> you know what honestly you could say that's also a charitable read because it's uh, it's more than him just uh, talking past them. What are your thoughts on bioengineering and our standards for that? What are we going to do about Europe? Uh, you, you talk about wanting to get people into the 21st century, but what about people not wanting to work the ranch? Yeah, what about the Mexicans? I'm not going to comment on the Mexicans. <laughs> and then he doesn't. <laughs> I just like how uh, the speech bubble for that one sticks to a very angry man with his arms folded. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's night three. He's got a regular little town hall going. We have day four, the last day before the primary, with uh, Texas Food Company headquarters and Mr. Taylor uh, hearing uh, some rumblings about what's go been going on at the star. And he's getting... Uh, he, he's not having it. No, sorry. He's getting steamed by it. Yeah, we uh, see him uh, in the middle of cutting a deal with uh, with some other uh, business types. An extra five million on this deal. I expect you to get uh, to get us on your board. 
and uh, he sees the paper uh, talking about how uh, his sector is still quiet on the on the election. And I love the panel of his very his very frustrated face with the headline or, or with the news article. Consensus is disintegrating. No clear political direction. Rumored fra- uh, factional disputes in Cattlemen's Union. I still think the Cowboy Consortium is a better name, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> they do get to name themselves, Sam. I know. Well, they're the cattle consortium in my heart. <laughs> but uh, this is when we get um, a hold of Sam. The So I, I think he's Mr. Taylor's ranch hand. I believe so, yeah. Not adopted son, but surrogate son. He, he's, mm-hmm. you know, in every way other than legally. Mm-hmm. He's somebody he hired to work his ranch and now does more but the manga just tells you he works on the ranch i get the manga's not really clear what mr taylor does he's the branch boss guy because this man quit this business meeting because he got angry at a newspaper article to go ride around on the ranch and i'm like that doesn't seem like your job mm, he goes to ride on the ranch and then uh stops by one of the stops by one of the, the houses i guess and uh he shows up just in time for, for lunch. We're having beans, sir. Ah, my favorite. Eating beans, I see. They just eat a tray of beans. Yeah. Beans are very filling. How dare also, you? I do want to point out, from the picture they showed of the beans, they do not appear to be baked beans. So, I, They are just beans. They're just like edamame. <laughs> it's beans, yeah. I love the panel of him looking very intently at the spoon going, Ah, oh, yeah, that's the good stuff, Cookie. I love beans. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Do you? Do you? I don't know. Thanks, Mr. Taylor. Got to shame this man for liking beans. How dare you? Unfortunately, uh, Sam decides he hasn't played horseshoes with his surrogate paw in a while. Uh, to which one of the, I, I think it is Cookie, but someone at the ranch goes, Oh, when Mr. Taylor comes home in the middle of the day, it's never for anything good. He's always something sour. And uh, as they're playing horseshoes, they're talking about uh, Yamaoka eating them T-bones at the star. Uh, Yankee thinks just because he can eat some meat, he gets a Texas welcome. (laughs) Talking about bringing gun control to Texas. That's a dream if I've ever heard one. Anyway, I'm still not going to back any uh, candidate, but make sure that your horse wins, Sam. Yeah, because we get a we get a flashback of around the time uh, the two of them met and Taylor is saying to Sam you can dream, but if it's not achievable, then you're wasting your time on it, basically. That's that's summarizing a, a pretty layered scene, but... Mm-hmm. Well, it's when um Sam was younger, he asked uh, Taylor if he wanted to be president, right? Yeah. You only get to be president for eight years. What I want to do is going to take more than that. He he wants to make a president. And actually... Yeah. Y- Actually, younger Sam is referring to him as daddy, so I, I guess he's actually his son? He's definitely not treated the same way as, like, a... Yeah, but I mean, could you be act- You could be biologically his son and then still trying to get daddy to recognize you. Yeah. So. He lives at the house, so... Yes. But that but kind of... Family cement- is complicated. Taylor is not a person who wants to become president. He loves the power of being the Democratic head of Texas, but mm. he does want to make a president. 
Yes. Well, because theoretically, as his, as he said, his dream spans beyond eight years. He wants to have something that could be built over potentially decades. I can't have Texas secede from the Union in less than eight. <laughs> he doesn't say that. But uh, thinking it, yes. That's all Texans. He's constantly thinking it as <laughs> the emergency escape hatch. <laughs> But he sees Sam driving off, uh, presumably to go to the star. And uh, we go to the star, which, wow, what a turnaround. They have a We Want Yamaoka banner over on the stage. That was not the expectation from their last talk either. Because they were I know. they were constantly disagreeing with him. And now they're just like, we're voting for you. <laughs> you could say that because it's the primary, if they're going to, you know. Mm-hmm. If they're going to vote for anybody in the primary, they they want it like yeah. uh, we're, we're 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 voting Republican in the general election, but we're definitely voting for you in the primary, <laughs> basically. Also, I do want to point out Yamaoka has been spending like eight hundred dollars a night taxiing to this bar. <laughs> I know, which is insane. Yes, but <laughs> a real salt of the earth type, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Shouldn't you be at one of those a thousand dollar a plate dinner? Well, I'm spending $1,000 each time I come to this place. <laughs> so technically, yes, I am doing that. You're just not seeing it. The T-bone steak in Sam Adams for me and my friend might only cost $100, but don't worry. Mm-hmm. But I love this because the it's it's around the time he shows up every night. The door's opening. We want Yamoko. I, Mr. Taylor. Which means Mr. Taylor took a taxi two hours out of town. Yeah, well, I guess we don't know how far away Mr. Taylor lives, but mm-hmm. he took a taxi specifically so they'd mistake him. Or maybe conceivably the manga thinks Texas ranchers still only own one pickup truck. And Sam took it to go to the bar. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Taylor is uh, is not pleased with what he sees. Uh, he, he's like, do you guys actually think he has a chance? Or are you just practicing for the prom, you sissies? Everyone get out of here, except you, Sam. You're staying. Because, <laughs> again, you have my car, and we need to drive home after yeah. this. Yeah, we need to drive home after this, yes. But when Yamaoka and Joe show up for night four, they are greeted by Mr. <laughs> Taylor <laughs> sitting alone. Like a supervillain. Let me see all the pickups leaving, and Takashi's like, what's going on? Meanwhile, Yamaoka expected this exact scenario. <laughs> yeah. No matter how unreasonable. With his insane fourth dimensional chess prediction powers <laughs> he walks in on mr taylor again sitting there like a supervillain. choose any seat you lack mr senator i think i'll sit right here with you if you don't mind joe go sit at the bar i'm not going to explicitly say that but that's what happens <laughs> mm-hmm. and we have a uh, conversation with these two over bourbon uh and <laughs> like most uh middle-aged powerful men drinking bourbon they start talking about death <laughs> i don't know where i went with that but i don't think that's even a stereotype of bourbon sam i don't know either <laughs> but it, it, um, it sounds good to me the joke, to is that I don't, the joke is that i don't drink <laughs> listen to our over manga cast after dark episode where we drink bourbon and laugh at jacob for being a sober person <laughs> <laughs> and I laugh at them for all being drunk off of bourbon. It'll be great. You say that. Actually, I, I pretend like this isn't a joke, but this is literally what our no-read Novembers are. It is, I mean, yes. You're right. That's true. 
hey, listeners, you've made it halfway through the episode, so uh, I don't know if we say this. We're drunk most of No Read November. (laughs) (laughs) And I was the only one. Well, I think Jacob was also awake watching the end of uh, Attack on Titan live action. Still didn't understand what what was happening. Really, you guys have been tricked into an ad. Go download on your podcast app you're listening right now all eight of our No Read Novembers with four more coming this November where they're we really, watch four bad movies. They're really good and really funny. Go do that after you finish listening to this episode because we're going to keep going with Eagle, the making of an Asian-American president. Mm-hmm. Where we uh, go to a flashback of uh, Mr. Taylor talking about how uh, as the son of a as the son of a rich family, uh, he was very coddled and cooped up as a kid, and it drove him crazy. So when in school, learning about geography, he learned about a place beyond the border, another country, Mexico. He knew he had to go see it. So like any responsible, I, I think he's like eight, <laughs> like any responsible young boy, uh, he immediately packs what he thinks is enough food, uh, climbs out a window and starts walking <laughs> in a direction he's pretty sure is south. It goes exactly as you expect it does. I also like the Yukon Ho comics and uh, Calvin and Hobbes. Yeah, this this boy walks three days and three nights and is almost dying of thirst on the third day when a search helicopter finds him only to find out he didn't even leave his father's property. (laughs) He hadn't even gotten off of the ranch. (laughs) So just to give you an idea of how fucking massive Texas is, that but uh despite the fact that he hadn't even made it off of the ranch uh walking that wide open prairie uh all by himself uh it made him truly happy that feeling of uh endless uh that just endlessness the horizon stretching out forever uh and this also this also goes into uh his whole uh spiel about uh you know dreaming doesn't mean anything if it's not achievable he was an idiot kid for trying to do that mhm but he still idolizes that feeling he had of an impossible dream because now he's just like, no matter what I've achieved in business, nothing is as important to me as that dream I had of crossing the Mexican border. Mm-hmm. And then Yamaoka does some nom stories that are cool. <laughs> like, yeah, the, uh, the 30 billionth version of this. I think they're, they're all, they're all not contradictory. No, well, like they're all perfectly tuned to whatever the current situation is. Well, I mean, think about it. He's running a campaign, which is, in a lot of people's minds, a huge obstacle. He's also a war vet, which is also a huge obstacle. So, I mean, they're on par. It's like you're literally exchanging quote-unquote war stories, his quite Mm. literally, um, to get to a stated goal or whatever. So, I mean, they, they are unfortunately very relatable to people, you know? This is where I'm headed. It's an uphill battle, I know, but I gotta persist, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, Yamaoka talking about, he doesn't get into much detail. We do see a a great series of panels of him in his uh, war gear, bleeding profusely, uh, teeth clenched uh, as the jungle swirls around him, uh, furious at the idea that he might die, swearing that he would get out of there. And so he started to run. And, uh, and the, the, the metaphor uh, hitting you in the head like a brick, as uh, most things do in this manga. <laughs> Speaking of getting hit in the head with a brick, uh, Mr. Taylor literally just asks him, so are you serious about your dream of gun control? And he goes, yes, it's a necessity for my plan for the future. Well, I'm supporting you. Do you 
do you want to hear my plan? Nope. I agree with your character. I I could, we have the entire place for two more hours. I could tell you about it. Nope. I'm sold. You've got the frontier spirit. We've just been drinking bourbon. You sure? We got another hour and a half. Nope. That's not how we do it in Texas. The plot needs to move forward. <laughs> Bring me the phone. And he immediately starts calling all the other boys in the cowboy consortium. Yeah, he calls everyone to say, we need everyone in the union to go out to the election tomorrow and vote for Yamaoka for Democrat. And mm -hmm. it's just like, that. the person on the other line goes, we have literally five hours and you've been telling everyone we're not voting in this election. This is insane what you're asking. I'm asking. God damn it. <laughs> By asking, I'm telling you, you're doing this now. Thank you. Not just Texas, Willie. I want every vote from every farmer, rancher, canner, and meat packer we got in the Super Tuesday states. I want this whole industry voting Yamoka. Get on the horn and get it done. He's got the frontier spirit. Yep. So they're getting all the farmers from because Yamaoka was trailing behind in the southern states. So now he's got every Democrat leaning farmer and cattle rancher will be on his side or maybe all of them, because I think they're suggesting that the Republican primary is basically a lock-in, which yeah, fair, I mean, they've got a really strong candidate. So they have a comedically strong candidate. <laughs> I just really like the, the series of panels when uh, all of the, uh, all of the rancher dudes are making the calls to <laughs> get them all to vote Yamaoka. Each of these guys looks more comical than the last. <laughs> Yeah, they do the like manga thing where it's a whole bunch of different people on phones, except they all have the same cowboy hat on. <laughs> but, uh, That's not true. Not all cowboy hats are the same. Mine is a slightly darker brown. And poor Arthur, asleep on this bench where he has presumably been for 72 hours. <laughs> Mr. Taylor walks in, is just like, hey, I'm here to meet with you. He's just like, oh, Mr. Taylor, I'm at the head of the campaign for Yamoka. I'm voting for him, and all of my people are already voting for him. What? <laughs> he deserved a win for that! <laughs> I love the shock panel. I'm just going, really? Yeah. That... Are you sure? If I were to make one comment on this sign of thing, the fact that Arthur did nothing, really, and just kind of had racism thrown at him, while probably a realistic interpretation of how things would go, not very is it really cathartic from a narrative point of view? Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. The thing I was expecting is Arthur is proving that he has a lot of grit for doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's sticking to his guns. He's not backing down. That's the way that everyone's been presented is that that that's going to earn him respect. And it's like, yes, Taylor shakes his hand and is like, hey, your guy won. But it doesn't feel as satisfying as him getting something in particular. He just has that great line where he says, all I remember about history is the Gettysburg Address. And I'm like, good line, but... Based line, but... It doesn't really do anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But um, anyway, the Yamoka campaign then wins Texas with an outpouring of the Cattle Ranchers Union. We get the classic, uh, completely out-of-pocket Yamaoka line uh, where he's about to get on the plane in the press corps there. And it's like, what do you have to say about the Lone Star State, uh, Senator? And he's like, I'd like to endorse the T-bone they've got at the Star Cafe. It's a taste as big as Texas. What? I love how the reporters are all <laughs> confused by that line. <laughs> I feel like I had, very, I had very good steak. It was very good. I endorsed this restaurant, yes. 
I feel like you're mentioning something that has a lot of context we weren't present for. Yes. Uh, and then Mr. Taylor shows up. <laughs> in the most anime scene in this entire manga. <laughs> he shows up, pulls up in his limo, steps out in his three-piece suit, his shades, and his cowboy hat. It's Don Taylor. He walks over. A horse has a terrible laugh. No matter how strong its body is, it can only prove itself when it runs. And if it breaks a, lay a leg, a bullet in the head, and it's all over. And as Yamaoka is getting on the plane, he calls out to him. And uh, Kenneth turns around. And in my favorite page, Taylor flips his cowboy hat, and it perfectly lands on Yamaoka's head. And because that's the thing, yes, listeners. Whether you've done the reading or not, just because this is out of print, it might be a bit hard for you. We need to impress upon you. He's at the top of a ramp to a fucking play! A jet! <laughs> he had a strong arm from working on the ranch. The, this was framed in such a way. I was expecting the narrator from the Pokemon anime to show up, and then Kenneth Yamoka earned the cowboy badge from defeating Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, that's enough. Yes. Yes, cowboy, cowboy hat Yamaoka is uh, my favorite five star uh, gotcha poll in the new in the new Hoyo game. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Anyway, so anyway, now that we're we, we leave Planet Texas, <laughs> we leave Planet Texas, and now we go to Planet Incest. No spoilers. <laughs> delicious so delicious. so we cut to team noah team noah is very upset because they did no campaigning in texas and were surprised they lost mm -hmm. i'm i'm not sure I'm, what their plan was <laughs> yeah that's you never assume everyone has to at least put boots on the ground rookie mistake but they're basically between a rock and a hard place on do we attack yamaoka or do we try and drum up support in another way? And then suddenly someone in the background being a sneaky snake just goes, oh, we could find a bomb to dig up on them. Maybe some kind of marital infidelity. <laughs> yes, yes, a scandal. Uh, you working on something? I've got something brewing in a little town you might know of called Miami. <laughs> oh. Well, let's uh, see what we can get from that. We'll wait for now. Next page. <laughs> this Next this page. page. Takashi and Rachel bone for an entire chapter. It's very sexy. Also, I'm I'm just going to say this. If um if your father is running for president, maybe don't have sex in front of a very open balcony overlooking the city of LA. Don't do not stand naked on that balcony. I don't care the, how artistic the framing of your bare ass is I'm on just, said balcony. Do, in the paparazzi capital of the country, she decides to just be completely naked facing downtown LA. It's uh, insane. Like the artistry of the scene is very nice, but the reality of the scene is in, just. You would never do that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a bad idea. Especially because Takashi comes up behind her. <laughs> no, no like, they then continue having sex on the balcony. 
Uh huh. It's it's so insanely a bad idea. Oh, <laughs> uh, they have this deep conversation about how uh, once you finish that book uh, and the campaign is over, you'll uh, what will you do then? I don't want to think about what happens afterwards. Can we also point out that for some reason the campaign is somehow paying for literally a honeymoon suite overlooking downtown LA? Mm hmm. Oh, well, no. I think they bought this hotel room separately because no one can find them later. Oh, actually, yeah, that's true. That would make some sense. So they bought some kind of love nest hotel, which is still, mm -hmm. if you're then doing this secretly, don't have sex on the balcony. That's <laughs> just good advice. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, don't have sex on the balcony in general is probably a, a well, good Jacob, advice. Jacob, let's not go too far here. <laughs> we, we don't kink shame on the Overmonka cast. We only can't ask why. Where are we even going with this manga? <laughs> I, look, Where is this manga going with this manga? Considering so, where it ends up. Full I mean, frontal nudity. Yeah, this is just legitimately like a very well done romance chapter. Yeah, like, no, I, we're making jokes about it, but it's very good. Well, because it's in the middle of a political espionage manga, and it's just like, you would never do this to be in the public eye. But if it's just a couple goes on a date in L.A., this is very, like, saucy. It's nice. It, it's well done. Yes, we cut to uh, the Yamaokas in Hollywood meeting a whole bunch of stars. Because Patricia is a movie star. Starlet. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's still the term. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Father was just a very prominent banker. Yeah, I mean, yes, that's also true. A lot of that stuff is... Uh, D did anyone get it weirded out when the movie star who's also running for mayor of LA came up and said, oh, hey, y Yamaoka, I need to talk to your wife for a bit about joining her fan club. Like, yeah, that was that weird, was right? Weird. That was weird. Yeah. That was very weird. It's like, I guess you earned the, the Hollywood vote by, I guess, letting this guy seduce your wife. I'm not. Seduce your wife. Yeah. I, and, and was that guy supposed to be a reference to an actor? It was kind of played like that. I, I think he's supposed to be a celebrity. Yeah. Like, I think that part was pretty clear. Um, so the thing about Eagle is all the characters in this are vaguely representative of real people. Like, um, I know Tuck, like Tuck. Is, Tuck yeah. is explicitly just the campaign manager for someone. I forget mm -hmm. because we read this manga once a year because uh, USA, USA. At one point, uh, Arthur comes up and is like, "Hey, Patricia, you need. Uh, we want you to make a. Uh, we want you to make a statement here at this uh, at this gala. Uh, just go up and say a few words about family. Ah, uh, yes, <laughs> family, Fam <laughs> family. And we get <laughs> family, as in me, my husband, our son, and our adopted daughter. Not huh? Joe. Not Joe. Because if I accepted Joe, that would mean I would have to accept Tomiko, and I could never accept her." You understand that, right, Kenneth? <laughs> this woman has insane monologues to herself. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You don't? That's how I normally think. No, Jacob, as we've established, me and Sam don't have internal monologues because we don't need people to read to us. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I am personally attacked right now. Oh. Uh. The anyway. Overmanga cast apologizes to listeners who have internal monologues. We'm sure you suffer a lot. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we do uh, end the chapter with a stinger with uh, Team Noah having found their bomb. Team Noah! La Bamba, if you would. Ooh. 
Maria Estefano, 38 years old, works at a seedy dive in Miami. She left Cuba at 16, married a married a guy who domestically abused her. She's Rachel Yamaoka's biological mother, and possibly she had that baby with Kenneth Yamaoka. Dun dun dun. And then uh, just to uh, juxtapose it as uh, as uncomfortably <laughs> as humanly possible on purpose. So the, it's it's revealed with the talk show, right? I think well because uh, it's Team Noah talking about this uh, bombshell, and it's like this bomb's gonna blow him to smithereens. So they're like, "Yeah, we've got him." Uh, next page, uh, uh, Joe and Rachel's O faces. <laughs> oh, that's right. They it's Team Noah talking about it, and then we cut to Joe and Rachel having more sex in that hotel room. Was going at it, <laughs> and I it was at this point. I'm just like manga, manga. This entire volume all the Rachel Joe like sex scenes. Have you been doing it for this purpose? God damn yes. it. Why? <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, I can hear the dun, dun, dun. Can we, <laughs> can we talk about the insanity that this woman got a TV spot? <laughs> because when we later, uh, it takes Joe, uh, we're going a little out of order, but I don't really care. Joe eventually goes to investigate this and finds out some things about her, which like if anyone did the bare level of research that she was drug addicted and a prostitute, I don't know why she would get a talk show spot, you know? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't seem like her story would have enough credibility to be pushed onto the national stage. But it's dramatic. She's got a potential scandal story about the surprise uh, dark horse candidate uh, in the Democratic race. I I can see why people might want to take interest, but the fact that it's like the next day she's on the 7 a.m. news doing this, doing this sub story. He is the vice president, so I'm sure he's got some sway. Also, for the drama of the manga, it works perfectly. It's just analyzing it. You're like, well, actually, how would she get that TV yeah. spot? Which is a lot of our analysis of Eagle when you think about it. <laughs> I don't think it's a secret. I love Eagle. It's just when we're talking about it, I have to go, what, well, how does Wait part a, minute. a go to part B? <laughs> when you slow down for a minute through the parade of melodramatic craziness, you're suddenly like, hold on. But anyway, this woman basically comes up that Yamaoka was her, her divorce attorney who helped her get away from her ex-husband who was abusive mm -hmm. and whatever um, and then pressured her into a sexual affair which caused her to be pregnant he then offered to pay for an abortion but she's deeply Catholic so that was a no-go so she had the baby at which point Yamaoka said I'm going to pay you money so I can adopt her and she agreed because that would give her daughter a better life mm-hmm and this, the entire time this uh, story is happening on uh, the ACN Morning News, uh, Patricia is making coffee in her bathrobe, looking increasingly more and more distressed. I, th I thought this would be my favorite panel, with her dropping the coffee and mm -hmm. then going to confront Kenneth, and then the rest of this chapter <laughs> happens. Oh my god, that, just everything in this chapter. Because she goes to confront Kenneth, and... You know, before we can get that explosion to happen, uh, cut back to the love suite. Rachel, sleeping peacefully. She she doesn't have a care in the world. Uh, cut to Joe. 
Turning off the TV. Joe's watching this. <laughs> the look on his face, man. Well, you say the look on his face. I was reading this and I was ready. I was ready to screen cap this. I was going to post it on the Twitter as the look of someone who just had sex with his sister. And then the manga's like, no, no, no. We're going to have an entire <laughs> chapter about his reaction to potentially having sex with his biological sister. Yeah, because again... Kuleshov affected with uh, Rachel peacefully sleeping. He wanders into the kitchen, or not into the kitchen, into the bathroom. He looks at himself in the mirror, aghast. He grabs a glass jar of something, shatters it in his grip, and then rubs his bloody palm down his face. <laughs> it's <laughs> his blood and tear-stroked grimace of agony. I want to point out, this is an entirely silent chapter other than the news broadcast. Uh-huh. There's no dialogue. So now that that's out of the way, we can get down to uh, Yamaoka's actual reaction. Uh, Patricia's like, what is this? What happened between you and Maria? What's going on? And he's like, nothing. Nothing happened. We're going to deal with this. Calm down. I trust you. No, no, actually, you know what? No, I don't trust you. I can't because you don't tell me everything. Whoa, and it looks whoa, whoa. Shut up, woman. You're being hysterical. Let me force myself on you sexually. <laughs> and then that works. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's very, that's very product of its timey. <laughs> it, I, I also think it's supposed to make Yamaoka look. It, it is uncomfortable. Skeezy. Like that's the point, I think. Yeah. Mm. And it, it makes Yamaoka skeezier because what better way to, uh, <laughs> to deflect this issue? Better or worse, the problem is that Patricia's response is not she's upset Yamaoka would do this. She's upset that there is another woman that might be breaking up their family and she might be competing for the affections of. Mm -hmm. And this is Yamaoka going, no, I'm with you. I love you. I only want you. And it's gross, but it's also assuaging her fears directly. So it's like they're a married couple. They get each other is kind of the vibe, mm -hmm. but it still comes off as gross. Mm. But yeah, at, it's nuanced, which is a lot of this manga. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's purposefully kind of a little bit gross when you think about it. This is where we really start to get into Patricia's character. And she becomes much more of an actual like presence in the manga. And I really like the direction they're going with her. Um, cause the, um, the comments that she makes about him hiding things is where I sort of got the impression. It's like, did she find out about Tomoko herself? And she wasn't told that by Yamaoka. And that's what she's referring to in that moment. Cause you know, like, uh, it, it's one of those ones where it's like, uh, you know, where is the credibility coming from? But like, if, if Patricia knows that Tomoko exists, then she knows that there's a chance that this might be true too. And uh, before that can evolve any further, uh, Arthur naturally charges into the room like, what the hell is going on? What what is this? What happened? How did we not? Where's where's Rachel? What do you mean she's not here? Where is she? And that's when it's like, wait a minute. So, so you just let her go off on her own with Takashi. Yeah, we're not really sure what's going on there. Mm -hmm. But also conveniently, Takashi calls Yamaoka at this point. And yeah. this phone call is insane. <laughs> this phone call is the most supervillain shit that Yamoka has done this volume. 
<laughs> I mean, that's questionable, but I mean, this also led to part of my confusion in this reading is just the back and forth tense phone calls. So the phone call is Yamaoka not admitting to anything, mm. but it's Takeshi basically saying, hey, I'm with Rachel, but forget that. I need to know, is this story on the news true? And Yamaoka goes, do you want it to be true? Yeah, of course I'd love it to be true. Thank no, you. He'd hate it to be true. <laughs> Mm -hmm. if it is true i will kill you and then yamaoka's just like well you're the journalist you shouldn't depend on my word for anything you should find out the truth yourself my son this is framed as a supervillain scene a hundred percent uh but the the sort of important thing from yamaoka's perspective is he points out the very true fact that I could say yes or no and it's not necessarily going to change what you believe so Believe what you want until you can prove it one way or the other. That's the other thing is he wants him to be a journalist. So he's just like, you shouldn't be taking my word for everything. That's not what your job is. Mm -hmm. You're, you don't work for my campaign. Mm -hmm. So I guess this is now a good as point as any. Uh, what do you guys think? Does Yamaoka know they're boning? He's... He has his suspicions, but he's not going to... I'm going to be completely honest. If someone called me and said, hey, I'm with your daughter, also, are we related? <laughs> <laughs> I have some questions. I, I think it would... I think he has every reason in the world to believe that, yeah. I don't think he... he... also is... He's not concerned they're boning, but also <laughs> I could see Yamaoka just not caring. <laughs> <laughs> Patricia's like, where's Rachel? Don't worry, she's in good hands. Oh, she's in good hands, all right. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> this, this phone call is so I weird. I don't know. I I feel like he's had his suspicions and he doesn't really feel any type of particular way. Well, like I said earlier, he gets called Rachel's name when he's picking up Joe. <laughs> for the second night out in uh, uh -huh. Dallas. So I'm like, did he acknowledge? Oh yeah, he thought my daughter was coming over to see him at midnight. Uh, I, I think it's very much the case where he suspected and he's not bothered to look up on it, but that basically yeah. confirmed. Yeah, this, this phone call is just insane. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. and it's great i love it <laughs> yeah there there is the element of uh he doesn't he does seem to know and he doesn't seem to care which says a lot about you know whether or not the rumor is true but there is also the factor of he also might just not care outright <laughs> i also love how after this phone call takeshi just looks at rachel naked in bed and just is having existential crisis going on <laughs> like is 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 this okay what is what i've been doing for the last couple of months okay and then to his credit he does worry more about how it's going to affect her yeah yeah i'm going to say this because he did not know i'm going to say to clear his conscience is you can't go back in the past now you have to figure out what happens now cj you don't understand the male mind because what he's thinking in that moment is but continue do we, do we keep <laughs> oh going? God. I've already done it, so it's not like the future's worse now. You guys are awful. <laughs> men are awful. Just never men. Just never. Honestly, fair. I'm not going to disagree with you, but also do continue. <laughs> <laughs>
but uh i do love i i just gotta say i love the uh the chapter page for uh uh chapter 47 because it is rachel thousand yard stare in bed chapter <laughs> title the predicament i i love how that's not the the chapter title fully summarizes what the problem is it's, it's takeshi going the predicament of am i having sex with my sister but Rachel's uh-huh. reaction is, oh, no, my biological mother, I guess, is coming forward and p- causing problems. But that chapter title works so well on its own. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. This song is so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> you remember when we picked this because we wanted to laugh at a stupid manga for one fourth of July? <laughs> oh, I was talking to Jay about this. I want this manga to have an anime so badly. <laughs> it would do so well. I was going to say, I would love to see the Taylor hat throw animated. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see that. This manga is so good. (laughs) Uh, uh, Speaking of good, we finally get some good tuck again. Oh, yeah. Oh, do we ever. We We get the scene of Rachel kind of being... Rachel responds very, like, in line with her family. She goes, this crazy woman is saying things. I have to side with my father. What is this nonsense about? Takeshi looks like he's sweating bullets about to die. <laughs> and then we we cut to Tuck, who has an entire chapter. And I love Tuck. So oh boy, my man. Why did nobody anticipate this? You <laughs> morons. You goddamn idiots. You children. What are you doing? Tuck is just going like, this is not how you run a campaign. I need to know every single dirty secret so this can't happen. Hey, old war buddy, why weren't you covering your buddy's ass like you're supposed to? (laughs) Don't you believe, Kenneth? Believe? I don't care about believe. And we get a near fist fight between Arthur and Tuck. Are you a consultant or a pimp? Well, this pimp's telling you that if we're finished on this street, which means that all the whores and the pimps are going to be out of a job. Word. I love Tuck so much. I love Tuck. That's pretty close to a direct quote. <laughs> Kenneth Cam, or the, the Yamaoka campaign is um, imploding mildly um, mm-hmm. because they need Rachel there because they need to form something. They either need to start discrediting Maria or they need to start building that he is a family man, or they need to promise they're getting a DNA test that proves that Rachel is not biologically Kenneth's. Mm -hmm. They need to do something. And none of that they could do without Rachel in the building, which conveniently uh, Takeshi is on. For all the jokes we've made about Yamaoka's 4D chess abilities, I love the way that he actually calms down the situation because Tuck is Tuck is 100% exactly right, but he's also the one flaring everyone's tempers. And uh, <laughs> Yamaoka's like, so are you saying the other guy's campaign manager is better than you? At which point they immediately start actually finding solutions. <laughs> Damn, that hurt, boss. <laughs> oh, I love how that's not even a real, like, rebuttal. Like, Tuck is 100% justified because his job is literally to know about these things. Oh, oh. But yeah, uh, so we get possibly my favorite scene, not like from like a realistic point, but just because I think it's really funny. Takashi gets in a cab, has Rachel wear a bunch of coats over her 
so he can sneak her past all the paparazzi trying to get photos and everything. Gets her into the elevator of the hotel. And as she's going up, it's like, hey, I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Also, good luck. I'm leaving. <laughs> he literally does a speech. In her face. He does a speech about, I will always be with you, but I'm also going to fly to Miami on the other side of the country. There's something I have to take care of. I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm, I'm literally abandoning you in an elevator. <laughs> I'm always with you, Rachel. <laughs> and now I severely hope that I uh, disprove this story because otherwise I'm not coming back. I have other problems. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of get the beginning to another arc but not really because takeshi does a chapter of being like an investigative reporter where he goes to little havana in miami um mm -hmm. and then does possibly the least realistic investigative reporting where he goes to the bar she used to work at and asks about her despite the fact this woman just broke national news so clearly the bartender wants nothing to do with her yeah. yeah. I and don't know why he, he thought that would work. And then he just believes a drunk who says, I know something about Maria, and buys the guy a drink. And then the man proceeds to tell him nothing he doesn't already know. It could be partially a cultural thing. It's just, I don't know. It, it's just like, it's, why'd you think this person who obviously has a, a dependency issue would want to help you out of the kindness of his heart? Turns out people don't generally trust drunks because they're willing to lie for their addiction. Mm, for more booze. But I guess this might come up as a plot point later. He does say, hey, I know Maria. She came back from New York saying she was wildly in love with someone. Who was that person she was in love with? Was it Kenneth? And the guy passes out and doesn't give him any more information. And I'm like... <laughs> Hey, buddy, wake up. And he seems to take that's a clue, but I'm like, that's literally nothing. You literally asked him a question and he said something that was vaguely applicable. Like cliffhanger is that uh, Takashi does manage to uh, track down Maria. She's going to her next uh, press conference and he's like, I'm not going to be able to fight through the press corps to. Uh... Uh, yeah, before that, before that, we get an interstitial scene that's kind of important. We get to see uh, uh, yeah, Maria yeah, yeah. talking with her uh, agent, I guess. And um, this is another one where it's like, this doesn't strictly speaking prove anything, but it uh, certainly speaks to the character of the parties involved. Uh, she's fame hungry. She she wants to be famous. Literally, Ooh. this press tour is so that she could have a diary of hers ghost written. So it's not even a real diary, but like she wants a book deal. And she then ends with her smoking a cigarette going, well, Kenneth, it's time for me to get my payday as well. It's just a villain I'm, scene for no yes. reason. <laughs> yeah, I think it's to sow doubt in her story. Um, but like, I, I, I will say, I don't think that that's the right thing for the manga to do because, like, it could go back on this, but like that basically says, oh, she's she's doing this for the fame. It's, uh, it, it might not be totally made up, but it's probably not you know, what's being presented. Well, it's it's not fully made up because uh, Rachel does confront Patricia about whether or not Maria is her biological mother. And she says, of course she is. She is actually the your mother. But we did adopt you from her. That part of the story about whether or not Kenneth is your father isn't true. We're trying to get to the bottom of that. Yeah. But like presenting her as a supervillain 
it creates implications like it, it's it's more of a narrative thing where it feels like it's it's tipping the hand a little too soon it, it gives a drama mm -hmm. bump for the end of the volume i guess is where it's going yeah. with it i say that but then actually the volume then does continue with kenneth being like am i going to be able to get an interview with her but an interview is not going to be enough i need to lay out my hand to sh but it, once i tell he doesn't say it explicitly, but I think he's going to tell her that he is also Kenneth's son, and I can't go back from that, I guess. It, it It's left as, like, uh, there's only one thing I can say to get the truth from her, and once I say it, it's all over. Uh, it's, it's pretty obviously, uh, hi, I'm Yamaoka's biological son, and I am in a physical relationship with Rachel. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Please tell me if I'm committing incest. Hi, I'm your daughter. How are you feeling about that? <laughs> <laughs> they they frame it in such a way, but yeah, it's it's pretty obvious that that's the you know that's the uh, the big secret. But yeah, that brings us to the end of our reading. Um, I don't know. Best way to Ooh. jump into this is uh, favorite character because we had a lot. Uh, Sam, why don't you start us off? Oh man, oh favorite character for this reading in particular. That is that is hard to say for. Uh, the little bit that we got of him, Tuck continues to be in top form. <laughs> it, it, you know what? Um, I think I'm going to go with Patricia because she is a she's an interesting kind of tertiary antagonist. And uh, like Jake, I enjoyed the uh, character development that she got, the sort of fleshing out of uh, her motivations and her thoughts. And definitely feel like uh of all of the various vehicles for more dramatic explosions that this manga has just piled up she could very easily be the most volatile one <laughs> and i look forward to seeing that happen cool cool jacob what's your favorite character of our reading pretty much for all the reasons sam stated uh Patricia as well, uh, squickiness and all. I loved the scene of her uh, confronting Kenneth about uh, the story. That was just absolutely spectacular. But uh, I, I do also want to shout out, I really wish both of them did more because Alex, seeing his character development was really cool. I think there's more to explore with him and how well he can maintain this uh arguably better relationship with his father you know uh trying to be a bit more like involved in the family business as it were um but like he he had like half a conversation and a thumbs up so it's kind of hard to say he's my favorite character in the reading section <laughs> um and then the other one is man poor arthur deserved a win he he easily has number one most baseline and baseline in the entire manga full stop uh but he didn't <laughs> he didn't do enough because he didn't get the win he deserved. <laughs> Otherwise, he would have been my favorite. He did call Tuck a pimp, which is also pretty cool. <laughs> that is pretty cool, yes. Yes, but uh, justice for my boy. <laughs> okay, uh, Jay, who was your favorite character in uh, Volume 3 of Eagle? Sure, so as I mentioned before, and as already has been said, uh, Patricia was my favorite character for the above stated reasons. I felt that aside, she really stepped forward and kind of experienced a bit of character development herself or herself as uh, kind of her positioning. I, I, I forecast that she's going to take a more prominent, I guess, mother bear role, I guess, 
in the future as future mm. continues to kind of develop and she seems to be more about keeping the family unit together at least how they are perceived in the public eye um but uh that is to be said for later. Um, second, I would give a... I'm going to be an underdog here. I would feel like um, Kenneth Ken Yamaoka is also one of my favorites just because of the mind chess that he plays. He is not a good person. <laughs> I, I gotta say, but... I respect any man who walks into a bar of rednecks and go, hey, I'm for stricter gun control. Later, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's just something about the calm disposition he does he's like i know i'm walking into it got to keep a cool head and go in here i don't know that that i guess if you have to say about politicians is something that is just like where i kind of have awe because i'm just like they know what they're walking into but somehow the truly polished ones go in there knowing what they're walking into and being able to really um i don't know Play it, I don't play it off and really be able to play to read the room really well and, more and importantly do all of that and not come off as like pandering yes yeah that I've, is that is the magic that's there and that's i guess where i am kind of just like wow this this really um at least kind of character really illustrates that pretty well right I think it would be impossible to read Eagle and not kind of like Yamaoka. Mm -hmm. He's just very likable, even when he might be the villain. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's why I said that uh, Patricia's the tertiary antagonist because damn it, damn if Yamaoka ain't the primary villain. <laughs> <laughs> but he's also, you know, the political candidate whose campaign we're following. The campaign designed to make him look good. <laughs> so. And uh, finally, uh, Matt here. Jeez, um, where do I go with this volume? Had so many good characters. Um, I gotta send. I gotta shout out Mr. Taylor because I think he was just mm -hmm. well fleshed out and did what he did well. Um, I don't think I'd call him my favorite, but no one else mentioned him. I just gotta point out he's a very well done character. He's a man who wants to be president, or he doesn't want to be president. He wants power. And acknowledges mm -hmm. that the presidency is limited, which I I really like that direction in a lot of things where you acknowledge the thing everyone wants isn't as important as they think it is, and that's cool to have. Um, my, yeah, he was really cool. Yeah, my favorite character, I have to say, is Rachel in this, which is weird mm. because it's kind of crossed with Takashi because they're basically the same kind of drama, and I dig for. But Rachel, I really like how this is a girl who is falling in love. She's mm -hmm. doing a she's lot met of... someone on the campaign trail. Yeah. yeah. And she's she is gung-ho. She stopped out of her way to go, like, hey, this is an underrepresented population that is part of my heritage. And I am using my power to make sure my dad knows these people exist and works for them to have a better life. Like she does that. That's something mm -hmm. she genuinely cares about. But also the fact that her response to this woman being her biological mother, making these claims against her father, she understands that she needs to fall in line because she can't falter. And there's some strength to that. 
And her response to all of this being so stalwart and like held together and strong compared to Takashi going, did I just beat my sister? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to, sh I'm going to cut the hell out of my hand and rub my blood on my face. I I'm going to say, if I can't say this was my favorite part of this manga, full stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. This, this is top tier. So I, I'm going to pick Rachel as my favorite character for this reading. That's a solid choice. Very there, good. there is also a, a a cool bit of uh nuance in Rachel's reaction because she also doesn't want to defame her biological mother. Like she, she's like, I have to fall in line with my family against my biological mother. <laughs> Takeshi, what do I do? This all the benefit, or I don't want to say the benefit. I mean, she also has the fact that for all intents and purposes, she never had a relationship with her mother. Mm -hmm. So she's not blinded solely by heritage. She's also like, what if she really is, you know, a terrible person? What, what if she is a drug addicted prostitute? Like, which is what uh, Takashi finds out within like 30 minutes of being in Miami. It's ridiculous. Like, but I mean, oh. this is something that Rachel's also aware of. Even in her dialogue, she acknowledges that they're, the Hispanic population, like there's flux. There's obviously hardworking people, but there's also people who, you know, have to... Would make up a story like this for fame. Yes. So that clarity of that, look, this is my biology. I have a kinship with her, but I haven't experience that i really need to stick with the family that i've built that I've, I've known i'm not going to die on a hill to defend her but if it could be avoided i would like to avoid defaming her yes mm -hmm. which which is really cool because the, to be fair from rachel's perspective that is not her family that is someone who is related to her that she would like to avoid hurting but she will side with her family if it comes to it uh more of the just interesting character writing in this manga and the interesting family drama. <laughs> I love the family drama so much. Oh my gosh. The continued uh, entanglement, the spreading out of this web of, of, of a family tree only serves to make it more tangled. <laughs> I and love how that is our official nomenclature. Entanglements. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> There's some oh, entanglement, yeah. all right, in the Shakespearean sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's why I like Patricia so much, because she understands that her husband's past with other women has resulted in children not of the family she considers to be her own. And since he is a public figure, a, a politician, that is dangerous. And she is laser focused on protecting the family that she has. And I, it that's respectable. And at the same time, it's like, that's why I consider her an antagonist because, you know, Joe's the protagonist. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's definitely going to cause him some, some I I mean, Sam, it's a good reminder to the uh, listeners. Uh, antagonist and protagonist do not mean bad guy and good guy. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah, no, this is a really good example of that. It is the protagonist is the main character followed. And, you know, like, you know, when you have when you have like supernatural shenanigans and such, it is so easy to make the antagonist a villain. But that's not real. You know, the, there there's a reality, you know, for as surreal as this manga gets, it's really <laughs> surreal at times. But like Eagle does to its credit maintain reality really well 
mm-hmm. it's just absurd at times yeah yeah uh because the because the uh thing that's uh sort of important and we actually called out noah for uh applying this as well nobody is a villain here right because like they're all mm-hmm. just people doing their best you know, Noah is doing what he can because he thinks he's the best person to be president and he's dealing with setbacks. Okay, how do we solve this problem? And this is what they come up with. You know, the that, uh, that being said, the man on Noah's campaign who looks like a rat who digs up dirt <laughs> on other people might just be a villain. <laughs> that guy is pretty and evil. <laughs> there, there is the there is the factor of uh, you have the the villain cut of uh, Maria at the end. <laughs> yeah, Maria just bragging to her producer. I'm just doing this for the money, <sighs> for the fame. Illustrates the whole you know uh, an antagonist isn't a villain, and that you know the people doing this are doing it because you know I believe I'm the best for the job. And they're just doing what they think they have to. Where uh, where are we all sitting at with plot predictions? Because I think we've got a lot to go off of on this chapter. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, first, let's start with a very the one that's burning question. Do you think that Takashi is going to tell Rachel? No. I think he's going to avoid that as long as humanly possible. Okay. Because he did just abandon her in, a, in an elevator. So you think he's going to play the route of... I'm just going to awkwardly isolate and then she's going to come after him and ask, why are you being so distant? I, th- I think mm-hmm. he's going to confirm they're not biologically related before he continues. Yeah. I, th- I think that if he finds out that they are biologically related, he's going to prevent interacting with her as much as possible, you know, ghost her essentially. And He's going to realize that that draws a parallel between him and Yamaoka basically just disappearing from the lives of the women he's knocked up. Mm-hmm. But he didn't have the added cloud of being related to them. And then when we mm. find out during the presidential race that Senator Yamaoka is 15 points behind in the polls in Alabama, <laughs> Takashi is going to come out and be like, sweet home Alabama. <laughs> But no, I, I I predict a big dramatic scene where Takashi is going to not want to do it, but he doesn't want to be the kind of bastard that Yamaoka is. So out of some like sense of justice or like uh, upholding the ideal of truth, uh, he is going to tell Rachel what he learns and it's gonna go Krakatoa. <laughs> thinking like what if he framed it it's like look i was of the assumption that you were not related to to be be fair he lied to her about them being half siblings Uh uh-huh or step siblings i'm not step siblings yeah they would be step siblings in that case now the the latest revelation is that they might be half siblings yes but Oh God, it's still not good. No, he's, <laughs> he's been lying to them about being related and then he's going to have to come clean. So we might actually be biologically related. <laughs> I didn't tell you we were related by law. Now we're also related by blood. I really don't want the next 4th of July to be a cis confidential episode. <laughs> <laughs> I want to stay up all night. I just want to sleep. With your sister. Well, well, then let's let's get to uh, my prediction. 
Yamaoka isn't either of their fathers because he's actually a robot. God. Take <laughs> <laughs> him. Uh, so, my actual prediction is less of a prediction and more of a manga. You've proved you've had had the balls to do crap like this before. Are you gonna do it again? If Yamaoka did all of this crap with Takeshi specifically because he wasn't sure if this was going to happen, but he predicted it was possible that he would need an investigative journalist to be able to uh, squash this story if it did come out. That's 11th dimension chess bullshit that I would expect from him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to come clean about having a child when I was deployed in Vietnam to distract from the fact I adopted the... <laughs> My love child. I adopted my love child. In an attempt to hide that. Well, I mean, I the the thing is, you know, much as much as like there's a way that you can read his non-reaction in a negative way, I think the fact that he doesn't react to Takeshi's uh relationship with Rachel, I think speaks a lot to. And then when you combine it with their framing Maria as an outright villain. Mm -hmm. yeah I, I, I don't think they're actually related yeah i i, I think it, which is why i'm saying if he pulled his reporter son out of japan just to find uh irrefutable evidence that rachel isn't his biological daughter in time for one of the primaries that's some 11th dimensional chest that i don't know i can wrap my head around i feel like he could have at any time as a u.s senator have just had a discreet dna test his wife wouldn't have to know not that i don't encourage disclosing this kind of high level <laughs> to your partner but he could have done it I mean, the main thing is, I think the entire point with Takashi being here is he didn't want a story like this breaking out. So he kept Takashi close. So that story couldn't break out that he was a love mm. child. The fact that the thing with Rachel is happening means this is probably not true because he would have already already covered that ground. Yeah, the, the whole question about whether or not uh, uh, Yamaoka is the one responsible for uh, Takeshi's mother's death. Uh, so that's the thing I think is my plot prediction. I think Yamoka is responsible for um, Maria's husband dying. I think he was her divorce attorney and found out that her husband was an abusive piece of and that Maria was trying to get back with him and had it arranged so he died in a knife fight. Ooh, that's Ooh. spicy. And that's why Maria wants revenge because she was still in love with her abusive husband, but Kenneth being his like moral goodness was this is an evil man who's never going to treat you right. I need him taken care of because it's strongly implied he killed Tomiko. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the whole reason why Takeshi is on this ridiculous adventure in the first place is that question. Mm -hmm. Is he responsible? So that's my, that's my plot prediction. That's a spicy one. I like that. It's very saucy. I like it. All right. And, um, well, would you continue reading? But I guess we'll see you all next 4th of July. On the 4th of July, freedom ring. And uh, thank you, everybody, once again, for listening to the Overmanka Cast. As always, you can find us on all of your social medias, where we are at Overmanka Cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Find us on YouTube, where you can like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, the episodes go up there on a two-week delay, so if you want to catch up uh, with our latest episodes, we have overmangacast.com. Uh, you can even comment on epi individual episodes there if you so are inclined. 
And as always, we appreciate reviews in any and all forms on whatever thing you can review on. I don't know. Five stars, whatever. I don't care. Say we're great. Uh, you can also Five reach out to us for America. It is America's birthday, everyone. So, you know, keep that in mind. Uh, you can also reach us over mongacast.com or over at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. But you can also comment on the website where uh, if you ever want to reach out that one of the cast members has produced a love child with you and you want to blackmail us for money, uh, go straight there. Um, I can't promise we'll respond positively, but I don't think that's what you're looking for. You know what you're looking for. Exactly. <laughs> and tune in next week where we are going to be <laughs> reading ZOM 100, chapters 1 through 22. Bucket so list of the undead. I was going to say, hopefully this is significantly more normal, but uh, here we go. <laughs> and we'll see you all next Thursday. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Okay, so now that we're at the end of the episode, can everyone just say what their views on gun control is? I think that if we just replaced all guns with squirt guns and NES zappers, all right, people listen. would be confused. The, the, the logistical problems with that, though. Is how do we get that many copies of Duck Hunt? How do we get that many copies of Duck Hunt? Uh, you know, there aren't enough taps for all the squirt guns. And that's why we replace them all with knives. Ooh, nothing bad has ever happened with knives. You know what? We're going with that one. Wait, hold on. The British government's listening. <laughs> no! <laughs>